Patriots Daily is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. We got another mailbag show for you. This time, the Patriots coming off a loss to the Chiefs. I would say a somewhat respectable loss. This is a team that you really didn't want to win any games necessarily if your team tanked looking for them to get a good pick. But the defense showed that it was at least competitive and somewhat formidable against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. But alas, they did take an L. And now we preview this week as we head into the Denver Broncos. Not quite as tough of a challenge, but still Russell Wilson, a guy who's never had a pass rating, fun fact, under 100 in any of his career games against the Patriots. So that's going to be an interesting one. We got a bunch of Patriots news to cover and to help me out with the questions and the mailbag. I've got my buddy Zach Cox of Nesson. Zach, how you doing, brother? Doing great, Taylor. I uh, appreciate you having me on. This is something that we we tried to put together for, for three or four weeks. Didn't really work out <laughs> scheduling wise, but glad we we're able to finally square it away and uh, finally get to do this. Absolutely, man. I've been excited. So I asked you this before the show and I was like, I should probably ask this for all the people watching. You have been covering this team since 2016. Yeah. So you kind of just walked in to a lot of championships, at the very least, a lot of championship appearances. And now, obviously, it's quite different. This is a whole new reality that the Patriots and Patriots fans are getting used to. What's it been like for you as someone who's been on the beat for the highs and now for the very low lows? Yeah, it was a very interesting and exciting time to to join this beat because, I mean, my first season they won the Super Bowl, second season they lost the Super Bowl, third season they won the Super Bowl again. Uh, and then you obviously had all of the – the drama and the fallout with Brady's exit and, and the kind of downfall from there. But yeah, this season is unlike anything that I've experienced in my eight years now covering this team. It, it really, it, you really kind of, it crystallized for me after right around the Cowboys game where they got blown out back in week four, where it was, okay, this team isn't just going to be kind of the, uh, the eight, nine, 10 win team that's sniffing around the playoffs. They might actually be, actively bad and the Patriots haven't been actively bad in 24 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so seeing all of that play out uh, has been yeah, basically the polar opposite of, of uh, what I got for my first probably four, four and a half years on this beat. Uh, it's been interesting. There's been obviously plenty of fascinating storylines to go around and it's just been, uh, it's been interesting too, just to see what, an organization is like when mm -hmm. you're eliminated from playoff contention as the Patriots now are, and essentially have been for the last four or five weeks. Uh, I guess it's a little bit different than I expected. I think I expected people to be just angry all the time and players to just be pissed off and not wanting to talk to anybody. And it just kind yeah. of permeating everything that's certainly there, but uh, I guess there has been a, a bit more of an, upbeat mood in the locker room than I, I might have expected for uh, the, the way the season has gone. And I'll actually ask you, off of that, obviously tons of talk swirling about Bill Belichick, his job security. Considering the mood in the locker room has been pretty solid, it doesn't seem like the doom and gloom that you would have expected. Players have actually been vocal about the fact that Bill Belichick has not changed. He's the same guy. He still prepares everybody super well. What's your perspective on Bill Belichick's situation? Do you think that he has a legitimate case to come back? Obviously, they've got the best run defense in the NFL. I'd say the coverage has been pretty competitive. You know, there's been some 
really bad breakdowns, I will acknowledge. But it's really been like kind of J.C. Jackson, Marte Mapu kind of figuring things out. But for the most part, they've been solid. So do you think that Bill can come to the table to Robert Kraft if the decision hasn't been made yet and say, hey, I've done X, Y, Z this season. I deserve one more shot at at least creating a solid foundation. Or do you think the offense is just incompetence, quite frankly, since Brady left is kind of the death knell where it's like, I'm sorry, man, you've been doing a great job, but we just need to start fresh. I mean, I think the biggest thing is the offense. Uh, I think Bill Belichick can bring all of that to the table, say, hey, look how well our defense has been playing, even though we've had all of these injuries across the board. And I think Kraft can respond to that by saying, yeah, that was the case last year, two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. Where is the offense? You can't win in the modern NFL. If you have an offense, that's as bad as the Patriots is. Mm-hmm. And it's all, a lot of it is personnel based. I think if this was, Strictly a situation where Bill Belichick was the coach of the team. I think there's a good chance that he would be back next year because I do think he's a very good coach still at this point in his career. And I think whoever they move on from, if they indeed move on, you're going to probably have a downgrade from an actual coaching perspective with whoever his successor is. But he's also the general manager. He's the one who put together this roster. He's the one who put together last year's coaching staff those decisions fall on him. And I think unless you can find a way to say, we're going to get a new general manager, but we want you to still be the head coach, which I just don't think Bill Belichick will go for. Then I find it hard to envision him being back here next season. Maybe at the end of the day, Kraft just kind of gets cold feet and says, I don't really want to fire Bill Belichick. Let's give this one more year and really hope something Mm -hmm. works out. But based on everything that he's said publicly, how, strenuously he has said that he wants to be back in the playoffs, wants to be winning playoff games for him to say all that. And then to have his team have its worst season in decades and then not make a change. uh, I don't know. I just see it moving closer and closer toward bill being out. If that decision hasn't been made already. I agree, man. If if I thought it was realistic that Belichick would be like, all right, fine, I'll hand over the GM duties, just let me coach, yep. then we have a conversation. But it seems highly unlikely that a guy like Bill Belichick is going to concede anything. So it's going to be interesting how this plays out. But we've got a lot of roster moves to cover. So I'm going to ask for your quick hit thoughts because you got to get to the mailbag. But seriously, a lot's gone on in the past couple of days. The first, and I would say one of the more unfortunate, was Cole Strange. Suffered a knee injury this summer. Missed a lot of time, worked his way back. You know, he did struggle, but then we were seeing after the bye week, he was really putting a lot of good games together. Bill Belichick even acknowledged that he was playing his best football, then unfortunately suffers a knee injury. He's out for the season. What's your take on that? Because I was I was honestly gutted for the guy because he he's so accountable and he refuses to make excuses for, you know, what was some up and down play earlier in the season. You finally see him start to catch fire, kind of like he did last year. And now his season's over. Yeah, it sucks for Cole. Uh, as you mentioned, he, he seems like a great kid in, in all of our interactions with him. That knee injury back on, it, it was in the very first full contact drill of training camp. He hurt his knee and that really derailed things for him. Basically the entire summer and, and almost the first half of the season, he just really didn't seem right from a, a health perspective. And that was clearly affecting him on the field. I know there was some uh, debate debate among some people of why don't you just put Antonio Mafi in there? He might not be any worse than, than what you're getting from Cole Strange at this point, but he really did seem to turn the corner in the, in the last couple of weeks. I know you've, you've written about it and, and talked about it online. He was playing as Bill Belichick said, some of the best football of his career in these last couple of games. 
so the timing of it is is just really unfortunate for him. Uh, we don't ha- know the details on the injury yet. You don't know how long that this is going to sideline him. Uh, you hope for his perspective and for his sake that it's something that he can recover from in time for, for off-season workouts uh, and be good to go by the start of next season. Uh, but you never know with, this, with these knee injuries, especially one serious enough where he has to get carted off the field, immediately ruled out, put on IR two days later. Uh, it, it's not looking good at the moment, but you're, you're hoping for a quick recovery from him. Crazy that David Andrews told us after the game that Cole didn't want the cart. He's like, nah, I'll walk off the field. They're like, nah, man, that's, like, that's Dude, you can't do not that. an option. <laughs> Absolute sicko. You love to see that, but obviously unfortunate what actually happened. Bill O'Brien said that he's sure that, you know, Cole Strange is going to rehab and be back. He's not a medical professional. That is not something to go on, but you hope, you know, from one person who may have some level of knowledge on the situation, you hope that it's something he'll be able to cover, recover from in a timely fashion. But again, we don't know. Super unfortunate. Another unfortunate loss for the Patriots. J.C. Jackson was placed on the non-football uh, illness, uh, yeah, non-football slash illness list. Um, Bill Belichick cited, I actually know his agent, I'm sorry, cited uh, that J.C. Jackson was going through some mental health issues. Belichick, he kind of got the feeling that something was off when he spoke to Uh, media after the game and said that JC wasn't available, but that he was around. And then we asked, all right, so what was the situation? He's like, I can't comment any further. You know, Belichick usually isn't, he's either one way or the other. He either tells you nothing or he'll be kind of candid. And the in-between was like, all right, it felt like something was kind of off. But yeah, JC, like I mentioned earlier, he's been responsible for, I feel like one coverage bust, at least a game for being totally honest. Like it hasn't been a perfect reclamation project for the Patriots where this is a different one where a guy leaves, they bring him back. Usually it clicks and it's like, Oh, he's back to perfect form. Didn't quite see that with JC, but you did see some competitive play. So from your perspective, what does this mean for the rest of the season relative, especially to Alex Austin, who really took over his role? And what does it mean going forward? Because the Patriots have the option to keep JC around for the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's tough to to have too much of a take on it just because you don't really know the details. And whenever you get into mental health type situations, you're it, you don't really want to come out and say, "Oh, this guy should have done this. This guy is this," or, or whatnot. Uh, we still don't know exactly what this situation is. It's clearly something that popped up right before the game on Sunday because uh, you have to imagine if the Patriots didn't expect J.C. Jackson to play, they would have had Sean Wade active for this game. He was a healthy mm-hmm. scratch, uh, so it was something very sudden seemingly. Uh, and again, a couple of days later now, we still don't have many answers on that. It, it, it's yeah, it's been a rough season for, for JC. It seems like he's dealing with some, some stuff obviously away from the field. I know he talked to, uh, to Mark Daniels uh, from mass live about some of this a couple of weeks ago about just some distractions. I think he called them uh, away from the game. Uh, again, we don't know exactly what those, those are. So I don't want to speculate on any of that, but uh, yeah, it's going to be, I mean, at this point, you have to say it's probably unlikely that he's back next year just because the Patriots, uh, I believe, can can release him without any dead cap hit or financial penalty or anything like that. Uh, and he's on the books for something like 14, 15 million next season. So uh, it would not be surprising if this was the, the final time we see J.C. Jackson in a Patriots uniform. But uh, again, anytime you're dealing with mental health stuff like that, uh, you just hope the guy goes out and gets uh, gets whatever help he needs. Absolutely. Obviously, we're wishing the absolute best for JC. You know, I I felt so bad. I felt like I was kind of picking on him at some point because, you know, it just was what it was on the field. But, you know, you never know what people are going through. And, you know, maybe that had something to do with it. Again, I don't want to over speculate just really 
you know, our hearts are with JC. We hope he uh, can get to a better place. Another move. He <laughs> got a few. We got a couple more to get yeah, through. Busy day. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Harris elevated from the practice squad, obviously had one of the few touchdowns the Patriots were able to score against the Kansas City Chiefs. And it feels like anytime Kevin Harris gets an opportunity, he's made the most of it. We saw last year in Arizona, he really looked pretty good, I thought. It was exciting to see uh, coming into this season, like maybe he gets an expanded role. Even when the Zeke Elliott stuff was going around, you were thinking, okay, you get the two veterans, you know what you have, and then maybe Kevin Harris is in the mix. How it's played out is that throughout the season when Ramondre and Ezekiel Elliott were healthy enough to play, it was one-two punch. Literally, one-two punch. Nobody else. Ty Montgomery kind of phased in, but, you know, he it wasn't like super like 30 season. snaps this season or something like that, yeah. I think he ended with like two or three carries. Like it wasn't anything crazy. Uh, but what do you think about Kevin Harris's elevation? Do you think we'll see more of him? I'm not so sure just because it feels like they are just feeding Zeke um, for better or worse right now. Uh, so, yeah, what do you think? Do you think maybe we'll see more because he had that great touchdown run? Or do you think it's still going to be Zeke's show for the most part? I think it's going to be mostly Zeke. Maybe you see a little bit more Kevin Harris. Because, um, yeah, as you mentioned, he hasn't gotten many opportunities in his career. But uh, the fact that he's really basically only carried the ball in, in two or three games and he scored touchdowns in two of them, it's it, it's a pretty good sample size or a pretty good small sample size for him. Uh, more so, this tells me that the Patriots, one, probably don't expect Ramondre Stevenson to play this week. And if I'm guessing, he, I doubt we'll see him again this season. It doesn't really make sense yeah. to bring back probably your best offensive player on a, a gimpy ankle for one or two meaningless late season games. Uh, and Kevin Harris pretty clearly now is that number two uh, behind Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, doesn't seem like Jamichael Hasty is really putting together whatever he needs to put together. Uh, he was active for this game, but didn't play any offensive snaps, only played on special teams. Uh, I know Belichick mentioned last week that uh, he's having some issues picking up the pass protection yeah. schemes and whatnot. So uh, it doesn't seem like the Patriots really trust him to play any offensive role right now. So uh, I think Harris had one practice squad elevation remaining, so they could have kept him down there uh, and then called him up one more time before they had to make a decision. But they had the open roster spot with the, uh, with the JC move. So uh, yeah, I think this gives more credence to the fact that we probably won't see Ramondre Stevenson again this season, uh, even though there's, there's no confirmation either way on that. Absolutely. And that's the right move. Like you said, you don't, you don't need to trot Ramondre out there at this point in the season. We understand what the situation is. Just let him get healthy and let him rest. Yeah. Last one, before we get into the mailbag questions, finally, Nathan Rourke, Patriots claimed after losing Will Greer, he was signed to the Chargers. Good for him. His family's out in LA. Honestly, you know, it's one of those situations like Lee Cunningham where I was thinking like, damn, it stinks yeah. for the Patriots, but for the person, you're very happy because it's a great situation for them. Nathan Rourke, what are you expecting from him? Do you think he's someone who can compete in the QB race, if there's really even one to speak of at this point in the season, what do you think his role is going to be? Because for me, I thought that he was really just a Malik Cunningham replacement as someone with some juice uh, to give the scout team some looks for athletic quarterbacks. I think he's essentially just like, he's basically the midseason equivalent of a camp body. Like you, you need three, you don't necessarily need three quarterbacks, but most NFL teams have three quarterbacks. You want one of those guys uh, to be running the scout team uh, and the Patriots lost both of their practice squad quarterbacks, as you mentioned within the last week. So I think it was a, uh, I'm pretty sure when we ask Bill Belichick about this tomorrow morning, he'll say, well, he was available. 
and he was available. He <laughs> got waived by Jacksonville. Uh, I know he played some good ball up in the CFL, had one crazy mm-hmm. touchdown pass for, for the Jaguars this preseason. Um, and he's bounced around between Jacksonville's practice squad and active roster a couple times. He was act- he was active for a few games as an emergency option, didn't play any snaps. Uh, I highly doubt he will factor into the quarterback situation at all this year. Maybe if he sticks around into training camp, maybe he can um, kind of make some noise then. But yeah, this seemed like purely a, all right, we need to get somebody else in here. Cool, this guy's available. Let's bring him in. It's funny that Nathan Mork had that crazy pass against the Cowboys. And then Will Greer has his best game of like his entire professional career for the Cowboys. Coincidence? I think (laughs) not. Uh, But before we dive into the mailbag questions, quick word from our sponsors at FanDuel. We'll be back. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, first question we got. This one's pretty relevant because we got an answer from Cam Acord relative to this player earlier today. Do you think Chad Ryland can be fixed or are the Pats going to be grabbing another kicker again and hoping he's better than the last two that they've drafted? What are your thoughts there? I think he can be fixed, mm-hmm. but he certainly has not given the Patriots what they need from that position uh, by any means so far this season, especially when you look at what they did to get him trade up, make him the highest drafted specialist in the Bill Belichick era. And for him to on 15 weeks into the season, he is second to last, I believe in field goal success rate uh, among qualified Mm -hmm. kickers. He's missed three straight, three straight kicks. Uh, He's been missing kicks that NFL kickers need to make. Uh, it's Cam Acord, as you mentioned, trying to kind of touch on this earlier. He's, he said, yeah, well, it, when a guy goes out there and misses a 55 yarder, you kind of say, all right, well, those are, those are tough kicks anyway, but he, he's missing from, from low forties. He's missing from thirties. I think his last three misses were 41, 35 and 35. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I remember correctly, that's just not good enough. Um, I don't think there's really, uh, I, I doubt the Patriots are going to make a change at any point this season, they brought in a kicker on their practice squad for a week or two, then they released him. So they'll probably stick with Ryland, but uh, he's someone that you absolutely have to bring in some sort of competition for him this off season, whatever form that takes. Um, And it's, it's still baffling to me. One of the the weirdest things about football in general to me is that there are only like 20 competent kickers in the entire country. Like, (laughs) like it seems like a skill that should be, easily repeatable 
Mm -hmm. And easy to say like, oh, here's an ex-soccer player. Come here. We'll train you for a week or two. Now you can go kick. But half of the teams in the NFL and like 90% of the teams in college don't have reliable kickers. It, it's baffling that that is still the case. I, I, it's so hard to find. And it's it's part of why what the Patriots had for so long was so valuable that they basically mm -hmm. go essentially straight from Adam Vinatieri to Steven Gostowski with a little bit of a couple week blip there, then to Nick Folk. And now mm -hmm. they're right where everybody else is. They, they can't really find a reliable kicker. So uh, I think Ryland's going to get another chance, but he's, he's definitely uh, on notice, I would say. Yeah. And it's weird because I know like after the game in the locker room, he said something about the balls. So I'm not sure if when he missed the first one, there was something off with like the PSI or whatever. Um, and then you had Belichick a few weeks ago when he missed the kick uh, against the Giants. Yeah. You don't usually hear Belichick, I wouldn't say throw him under the bus because it was valid, but you don't hear him kind of publicly criticize players. And yeah. he's like, yeah, we missed essentially two extra points. We can't have that happen. I was like, damn, okay. It's Chad Ryland's on notice. And Cam Acord even said today that he's not miss making the same mistakes he's making in games practice yeah. so you know it's it's a weird situation hopefully he can get it figured out uh it's you surprising know because usually when you hear something like that where where a player is great in practice and isn't performing in the games it, it's a confidence issue or something like that but mm -hmm. if you talk to ryland he's a very confident guy he's he's yeah. clearly a talented guy so it, it doesn't seem like a stage is too big for him kind of thing but uh yeah it, it's it's strange that that kind of success isn't translating over um and obviously, like if you're performing at the level that he's performing, you you are on notice in the NFL. And if it continues for much longer, he's going to, to end up being replaced by somebody. And quite frankly, as a young player, I'm glad that he's having these struggles in a year where losses are good. Yeah. Because yeah. can you imagine if he had lost these field goals in a on a team where they're fighting for a playoff spot like that turns into a whole different thing. Fan base probably coming after him. But honestly, he saved their trap status. So personally, I'm not too mad about it. Moving on, sticking on special teams. This is an aggressive question, but I understand the sentiment. So why is Brendan Schooler on this team? He commits a dumb penalty every week. I will say for my part, does he need to get his emotions in check a little bit? I would say yes. But also, he's been called for penalties that I think are highly questionable. Like, he's got a bunch. I think at least half are like, uh, I'm not so sure if he should have been called. And you understand why he's passionate about it. And we also heard some stuff today uh, from Cam Acork saying that one thing, Brendan Schooler has missed tackles is something he struggled with this season. Saying that he had to clean that up. What are your thoughts on how he's performed? Because this is pretty obvious successor to Matthew Slater for them. Like he's an older guy. So, you know, it's not quite the same, but in terms of being the guy on special teams, like it seems to be him, but with that role comes a lot of responsibility. So just what are your thoughts on how he's performed in his role going forward? Yeah. Slater loves him too. He's, I, he's spoken as highly about Brendan Schooler as I've heard Matthew Slater speak about pretty much anybody outside of Tom Brady. Uh, said he was glad he didn't retire so he could play with Brendan Schooler. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. And and Schooler was awesome last season in, in what he did. He probably should have been a pro bowler um, mm -hmm. if he had kind of had a little bit more league-wide recognition. Uh, and he's still, he's still a talented special teams player. I think he ranks first or second in the NFL in special teams tackles still this season. But, yeah, the discipline has not been there lately. I agree with you that some of those penalties – were, were ticky-tack calls, were iffy calls. Uh, but he had the one that was a clear kind of retaliatory one against Pittsburgh. 
two weeks ago. Uh, he just came up and headbutted a guy for no reason. It's it, you got to keep your emotions in check, as you said, and, and he has to clean up some of the missed tackles. Uh, he's coming in a little bit too aggressively. I think he's still uh, a talented and valuable player in what he does, but it, anything on special teams, it's, it's similar to what we were talking about with Ryland. Your job is so narrow that if you're making mistakes in that job, you have a lot less of room, less room for error than someone who has kind of a more expansive position. If you're saying, Hey, we're paying you to cover kicks. You are not doing your job. If you're committing penalties and missing tackles, like this is what you need to do. Um, I I think it's too early for a get Brendan schooler off this team take, but uh, yeah, yeah, five penalties in his last eight games uh, as a special teams player. uh, That is troubling and something he's absolutely going to need to clean up. I would say even unheard of. I've never, I can't think of any other, even like a player who plays regular snaps on offense or defense. That's a crazy number of penalties. This is a guy, yeah, he plays between 15 and 20 snaps each game. And to have that kind of penalty count, that is, that is something that you can't have. So even if some of the the calls are are kind of dubious, uh, yeah, he, he's, he absolutely has to, to, to fix himself in that area. Absolutely agree. All right, moving on to some stuff that people want to hear about. We got past the special teams. Let's move into some draft talk. All right, so Jane Daniels, what's the argument for not taking him over Caleb and Drake? He has more experience, has faced adversity, played against NFL caliber competition, and can be productive behind a bad offensive line. Now, personally, I am very big on Jane Daniels. But after watching Caleb and Drake, I do think that they're – clearly at the top tier of this quarterback class because they don't have a lot of things that really scare you physically. You could say, you know, Caleb Williams, the whole thing where he's crying to his parents after the game. No one cares if you're an emotional player, if you win, if you're, if you win, your fan base will get behind you. Nobody's saying anything. So like for me, that's not that big of a deal. If you're, you know, doing what you need to do for the team, but Jaden Daniels, I would say is number three, like at the top of the next caliber because of his athleticism, also because he is a good passer, although I do think he has his limitations. What are your thoughts there? Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, of risers, like early draft risers, I don't think there's anyone bigger than Jaden Daniels. Uh, mm-hmm. I, mean, I personally am not able to pay a ton of attention to college football during the NFL season. Uh, yeah. I did a little bit more so this year because the, the Patriots haven't given us a whole lot to, uh, to watch <laughs> over the last uh, two months or so. Uh, but this was a guy who was basically viewed as probably a, an early day three pick coming into the season. And now he's someone that seems likely to go top 10, maybe top five, mm-hmm. depending on how the rest of this process plays out. And when you look into him, there is a lot to like about him. Obviously he has the athleticism. He has that deep ball ability, but even some of the conventional things that the Patriots typically look for, he has them. I mean, it was, was completion percentage over 70% this year. 40 touchdowns, four interceptions. Uh, he's got the ball security. Uh, there's a lot to like uh, about his game. I, I do think that to immediately put him over two guys that the people who actually do watch these players uh, on a weekly basis have basically said for over a year now are the number one and number two. I think it's a little premature for that. Uh, and I do think it's a concern with Daniels. I do think it's, it's a bit of a, antiquated notion that oh all mobile quarterbacks are more likely to get hurt than pocket bound quarterbacks but those guys usually get more hurt in the pocket than they do outside of it if we're being totally fair (laughs) but when you look at this guy he's listed at six foot three 185 that's a little bit scary he's gonna have to bulk up a little bit and that if you go in kind of 
that, that's basically like skeleton proportions. You, you need to, he's, he's going to need to fix that uh, no matter what team he joins. And then you never know what that's going to do to his me- mechanics and all that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a nitpick, but uh, I, I think any of these three quarterbacks would be very uh, exciting for the Patriots at the moment. Uh, I, I mean, we'll see how things de- uh, develop over these next couple of months, but I still think it's, it's Williams and May and then Daniels with that gap getting sort of shorter and shorter as uh, as this whole process plays out. Absolutely agree. And when it comes to your franchise quarterback, like that's kind of where you want to start splitting hairs. And if you want to talk about Jaden with Caleb, it's, oh, he extends so much and he's kind of on the smaller side. He's like six months. So relatively for a quarterback, he's on the smaller side, but still the playmaking ability is there. And then Drake may has the prototypical size. Like there's not a lot you don't like about him, except for like Caleb Williams. It's the play extension stuff where you're hoping that they don't take the same risks at the NFL level. But with Jaden, it's just the size and the fact that he is too tough for his own good. Like there are times where you understand, yeah, put your shoulder. Exactly. Like if it's third and two or whatever, and you got to get a yard, like I understand that. But when you just got 17 more yards or something like that, and then you're just taking a hit when you're right by the sideline, like my guy. You you see Josh Josh Allen type stuff and he's like 50 pounds lighter than Josh Allen. So that's exactly, that's something that I'm sure his, First offensive coordinator is going to say, hey, don't do that anymore. Just stop doing that. Get that out of your game. But, yeah, he, he's a ton of fun. I'm excited to, to dig a little bit deeper into him uh, over these next couple of months. Maybe we'll have some shows about that. We'll see. It's a long season, long draft season. All right. Next one. There's a lot of talk about which top quarterback to get in the draft. What do you think about trading back with a team like Vegas or the Giants to go one of the lesser touted quarterbacks. I would assume like same thing. Jane Daniels is at the top of that list and it's like Panix, Bonix, et cetera. Uh, and trading back into the first round to grab a wide receiver. I think it depends where they land draft mm-hmm. order wise. Like if they get a top three pick, this is essentially saying you should trade down and pick a second tier quarterback and then trade up and pick a second tier or third tier wide receiver rather than getting a first tier guy at one of those two spots. Mm-hmm. It, it, it obviously depends on what their evaluations are of, of all of these guys, but I don't think they're in a position talent wise where they can kind of do the, some of the nickel and dime type stuff that has worked for them in the past sort of saying, all right, we're going to uh, maneuver and get a guy cheaper or a little bit later. And then we're going to mm-hmm. use that to, to sign kind of a, a depth linebacker and get a fill at our roster that way. This is a team that just needs legitimate star level talent, especially on offense. Uh, And I think they would have a hard time if you're picking second overall or third overall passing up a talent like a Caleb Williams or like a Drake May, or if you want to go the wide out route, like a Marvin Harrison, I think it would be tough to come out of this, that draft and look back six months later and say, wow, we got like, the fourth best quarterback and the fourth best wideout when we could have gotten the best quarterback and then the sixth best wideout. I don't know. It's I think they're, they're not really in a position to be as trade down happy as they have been in the past. I think that's a great way to build your roster when you have kind of the skeleton of it intact. I've said skeleton twice in this show, Um, (laughs) but yeah, I I don't think that they're in a position to say, Hey, we're going to move down to eight and then like, see what we can do from there. Um, But I mean, again, we'll see what happens over these next couple of months. Maybe they're really high on somebody, um, but also trading down 
it just comes with inherent risk. Cause you can say, Hey, we're going to trade down to six and get Jaden Daniels. And then some team trades up to five and gets Jaden Daniels. And then exactly. it's your whole plan. So uh, it, there's risk involved and the Patriots really cannot miss on, especially this first pick, but really all of their early round picks in this draft. I completely agree. I feel like if you miss out on the top three guys in this draft, then you end up in mediocre territory, which is where you never want to be in the NFL because then you get stuck in the cycle of you always have like a top 10 to 15 pick, but you're not getting a good enough pick to actually change your franchise. And honestly, I liked Jaden Daniels enough that I was like, okay, if you get two, maybe trade to five. But even that, man, like, again, after watching Drake and Caleb a little bit more, it's like, no, nah, those guys are legitimately, like, different types of talents. You got to make sure you can secure that. And that sets the floor for, I feel like, your franchise as the quarterback. Yeah. A great left tackle like Joel Olufashanu would be awesome. Having Marvin Harrison, awesome. Junior, Marvin Harrison Jr. or Marvin Harrison Sr. He probably got some juice left in those legs. He'd probably um, still be the best wideout on this team right now. Oh, by oh, I'm not going to say by far. I don't want to be disrespectful to Pop, but yeah, <laughs> absolute sniff competition. All right, last one for the mailbag for everything you all submitted on Twitter. Thank you for that. And on a fun note, what's Robert Kraft getting Bill Belichick for Christmas? Give it your best guess. I'm going to make my guess real quick and say it's okay. not going to be a job. <laughs> He's going to get the nicest boat he can find, give it to Bill and say, Hey, wouldn't you just love to hang out on this boat on Nantucket all spring, all summer, all of next fall? It's really like if you have this boat, why would you even want to be coaching? Like, just just go enjoy this uh, and then expect Bill to say, you know what? Like, you're right. I think retirement, it's time to walk away and then kind of split cleanly and and not have to go through the uh, uh, what is surely going to be a, a very difficult process of having to potentially fire Bill Belichick and see him coach for another team. I think that's the ideal situation for Robert Kraft right now is Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick coming to him and saying, you know what, Robert, we had a great run. I'm done. I think I'm going to retire. And he's going to say, ah, Bill, thank you so much. We'll have you back for a a hall of fame ceremony a week after Brady's and and everything is going to be good. We're right into the sunset. Didn't end the way we wanted to, but you know, we, we had a great run together. Uh, I think he's, dreading the fact that he might have to see him on a different sideline next year. So shell out for a big boat and hope he takes it and uh, hangs out on Nantucket a little bit more than he has. Swan song for Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft is the swan. Fantastic. I like it. All right. We're going to get to a few of your live questions. First, quick word from our friends at SeatGeek. We'll be back. You know, I've been looking for the best deal on Celtics tickets. And with over 28 million downloads, SeatGeek is the number one rated ticketing app. There are more than 70,000 events every single day on SeatGeek, including concerts, sports festivals, and more. With the NFL, NBA, and NHL seasons of full swing, you don't want to miss out. SeatGeek has your tickets to every game. Plus, artists like Travis Scott are on tour. They put all the tickets across the web in one place to make sure you're getting a good deal. Each ticket is rated on a scale of 1 to 10, so look for the green dots. Green means good and red means bad. Every ticket is backed by their buyer guarantee, and SeatGeek is the only site that lets you return your tickets ahead of the event with swaps. So as you know, I always come through for you guys. You can use my code DREAMERSPRO for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code DREAMERSPRO. Make sure you check the link in the description to download the app. All 
All right, so I'm going to go with one that's a little, it's kind of what we already touched on, but we'll go a little bit deeper in right before we head out of here. It's kind of funny. Why get a wide receiver in the draft? Who is going to throw him? Oh, my God. <laughs> it censored itself in my comments, so I'm just going to take that off real quick. But, yeah. Family show so, here, Taylor. <laughs> right, family brothers. I'm so sorry to all the children that frequent this show. Uh, but, yeah, realistically, what's the argument for getting a receiver? Because we've seen Bailey Zappi has had some good first halves. <laughs> Obviously, like, bottom falls out in the second half. Is there any argument to be made that, hey, maybe Mac Jones with, you know, a better supporting cast actually finds his rhythm and becomes quarterback we've expected? Maybe Bailey Zappi takes another step. Is there any reality where you would be comfortable with the Patriots going into the season with Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi, and let's say a Jacoby Brissett type of, like, veteran quarterback where you're at least comfortable saying – all else fails. We've got a guy who's shown that he can take a talented offense and at least put them in a competitive spot. I don't like the idea of passing up on a potential franchise changing quarterback to draft a wide receiver. That said, whoever is playing quarterback for the Patriots, I don't think is going to be able to succeed if their talent at receiver looks the way it's looked for the last couple of years. You yep. just look at essentially every single competing team, contending team in the NFL has at least one legitimate star pro pro bowl level receiver or tight end in the case of, of teams like the chiefs and the Ravens, the Patriots haven't had one of those in literal years, probably going all the way back to, to Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I can't see, Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels, whoever it would be, I can't see them coming in and immediately lighting it up if they're throwing to the, the, the type of receiving core that the Patriots have had for the last couple of years. So that would be the argument saying, hey, if we bring in this new quarterback and we still don't have any receivers, what's, what's really going to change? You're going to end up uh, kind of breaking this guy too. Uh, that said, I think you can address that in, in different ways. There are some talented receivers going into free agency this year. Uh, you can usually find receivers a little bit later in the draft, more reliably than quarterbacks later in the draft. Uh, so that would be the the path that I would take if I had one of those premier picks where I was in the position to, to draft one of those elite quarterbacks. But it's not a completely ridiculous notion in my mind, just because I think the Patriots do need a player like that. Uh, but they also need a quarterback, and those are a lot more difficult to uh, to come by. Absolutely. And my thing is, I really want them to get, like, the guy receiver, especially on a rookie deal, because wide receivers are getting paid a lot of money right now. Get one of those guys on a rookie contract, especially if he's your star, obviously is invaluable. But with quarterbacks and left ta or tackles in general, they're so rare. If, they're, if the Patriots decided, you know what, we're going to – I don't think this is going to happen, but if they say we're going to give Mac or Bailey a shot, I'm saying, all right, then get them a tackle. Get a Joe Alt. Get an Olufashanu because having a left tackle or even a right tackle, whichever position they want to put, you know, whomever they end up drafting in, being able to just put that guy on his spot and not have to think about him is so invaluable. Again, because most players, when you hear your left tackle's name a lot, it's not a good thing. Like when Trent Brown's healthy, you don't hear his name a whole lot. When you do, it's usually because he's doing something in the run game. Because yeah. there's just not a lot of body types that can actually perform at a high level at that position. So for me, 
I feel like wide receiver is almost a luxury where you got a good offensive line, you got a quarterback. Obviously, like you have the Bengals model where they went over the offense tackle, made it to the Super Bowl by selecting a wide receiver first. But still, Joe Burrow, you know, got the snot kicked out of him. Family friendly show. Uh, so, yeah, me personally, I would like them to go quarterback or offensive tackle. I just don't think they're in a position in terms of their roster health where they can go for a wide receiver. Last one. I'm going to give you the lead because I personally have not followed this person's career in college very closely, but it's an interesting question. Michigan wins a championship. Harbaugh's leaving for the NFL. You are Robert Kraft. Better beard, but still. Do you go all in and hire him, even if it means giving him personnel control? I don't think Robert Kraft would. My, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I don't think he probably wants a new head coach with as much power as Bill Belichick had. Uh, I think if you're doing a franchise reset, you probably want to set it up a little bit more conventionally where you have a general manager, you have a head coach, you're you're just kind of, uh, you don't have that all powerful uh, singular person, which is probably what uh, Harbaugh would be. That said, from somebody who covers the team, I would love it. It would be hilarious to cover cover Harbaugh on on a daily. It would be very, very different than covering Belichick, but like, when you have that kind of superstar level head coach who is just prone to saying ridiculous things and doing ridiculous <laughs> things, I mean, I would be all for it. But I, uh, I feel like Kraft might want somebody with a little bit less, um, someone a little bit smaller, someone that wouldn't yeah. just kind of take over the entire organization uh, the way that Harbaugh surely would wherever he la- ends up landing. Honestly, yeah, from a selfish standpoint, I would also love just to cover Harbaugh. I think that'd be really entertaining. Zach, thank you so much. This has been a blast. Please let the people know where they can find your work. I'm sure they know, but, you know, formalities. Where they can find your work. Let the people know what stuff you got coming out the pipeline this week. I'm excited to read it myself. And just please plug away. Yeah, I mean, you can follow me uh, at Zach Cox Nesson. You can read all of my stuff and, and my co-beat writer, Dakota Randall stuff over at Nesson.com. Uh, neither of us will be in Denver this weekend uh, because it is Christmas Eve and nobody really wants to fly home on Christmas covering a, a team in the position like the Patriots are. I have a feeling there are going to be very few Patriots uh, reporters at that game, uh, but we'll have plenty of, obviously, Bill Belichick coverage Um going forward through through the final three weeks, which, I mean, Judgment Day is really coming coming very close now. It's about three weeks away where you're going to have a decision one way or the other. Uh, and then we've got some uh, some excited exciting draft-related stuff uh, on the horizon once we find out exactly where the Patriots fall there. It's, uh, that's all also going to be a different experience. I mean, going back to what mm-hmm. we were talking about at the top of the show, you're not looking at the, the guys that are going to get picked in the, the late teens or the 20s this time you, you actually get to sort of scout and dig into those premier top level prospects. So uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. The combine is going to be fun. So yeah, we've got some, uh, some exciting stuff coming in the next couple of months, even though this Patriots season hasn't uh, uh, given anybody uh, much excitement over the last couple of months. Yeah, man. I really think it's just going to be like Mike Reese and Karen Greggy just toughing it out in Denver on Christmas. Uh, thank you so much, brother. <laughs> yeah, I, thank appreciate you, I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you back for sure. This has been a ton of fun. Thank you, Zach. Thank you all for tuning in. Obviously, always appreciate you. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Happy holidays. And we'll see you next time.